You're listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, recorded at the studios of Maine Magazine at 75 Market Street, Portland, Maine. Download past shows and become a subscriber of Dr. Lisa Belial on iTunes. See the Dr. Lisa website or Facebook page for details. Here are some highlights from this week's program. There's this real romance around a Maine wedding, as testified by every magazine, including our wonderful Maine magazine. Whether it's on a farm or whether it's at the ocean, there's something magical. And, and I think, in general, that's something magical about Maine, which we are very lucky to live in. My brides and grooms are smart, hardworking, intelligent, savvy, young adults. I have to kind of keep up with what they're following and what they're into, so there's never any standing still. I'll never say that what I do is fully realized, because it's always evolving. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is made possible with the support of the following generous sponsors. Maine Magazine, Marcy Booth of Booth, Maine, Apothecary by Design, Premier Sports Health, a division of Black Bear Medical, Seabags, Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage, Ted Carter Inspired Landscapes, Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial, Dream Kitchen Studios, Harding Lee Smith of The Rooms, and Bangor Savings Bank. This is Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, show number 125, Celebrating Love, airing for the first time on Sunday, February 2nd, 2014. Today's guests include Leslie Oster, General Manager with Aurora Provisions, and Kate Martin, Owner and Creative Director with Beautiful Days. Over the years, many couples, from here and from away, have celebrated their love by being married in Maine. Each February, Maine Magazine celebrates love with its wedding issue, which tells the stories of these special couples. Leslie Oster and Kate Martin, who have been a part of countless special wedding days, today share their perspective about what it means to celebrate love in Maine. Thank you for joining us. I love it when I have the chance to bring friends of mine into the studio and have conversations. And I'm not just bringing them into the studio to have conversations because they're my friends. I'm bringing them in for other reasons. Today I'm speaking with Leslie Oster, who has been a friend of mine for a while. She is also the general manager at Aurora Provisions and works quite a lot with the Contemporaries Group at the Portland Museum of Art. And she's everywhere, doing everything, connected with everyone. So anybody who doesn't know Leslie Oster, you will soon know her. And today we're going to talk to her. So thanks for Yay. coming in, Leslie. Thank you, sweetie. That was a lovely introduction. Well, it's kind of appropriate because we are now in the month of February. We're talking about celebrating love. We know that you've been a big part of the main magazine wedding issue for many years. And the work that you do brings you in contact with people who are themselves celebrating love through weddings and other events. Why do you do the work that you do? I don't know that we set out to be these this kind of wedding machine that we are um when we when marika first bought aurora there the women who owned it previously you may know cheryl and noreen that have el rayo who did a great job of setting up aurora and then marika's owned it for 14 years now and i came with her um to sort of build the catering end of it and it just kind of happened that we fell into this wedding world and weddings and funerals we never turn funerals down (laughs) it's just this kind of and i think it's partly because we're it's it's a place where artistry really can make magic. Um, you know, you can work with people and realize their dreams. And every 
story is a different story and every couple has a different vibe and what they want it to be about and how it has to really be reflective of them and we're in a unique situation because we don't have set menus we don't have set ideas we don't have set venues that we go to you know as you know we've catered out of closets before (laughs) um and so it's really a lovely process to sit down with a couple at the beginning when they're just so excited and then watch the process through um and really hone hone their ideas and then be able to complement who they are with what we do so it it was kind of like theater for me And, and i was a theater major um back in the day and a filmmaker so it was it and Marika is a painter so this artistry is really important to us and through food um to be able to paint a palette that really reflects who those people are and what they're about so that at the end of the day it wasn't like oh that was a great caterer that was a great florist that was a but that was a great wedding you know that everything came together and represented those people the two people getting married and whoever they may be and, we've, and it's really interesting how many couples I maintain friendships with. You know, I think one of the couples that are going to be, that Kate and I work together, is going to be in the issue, um, uh, Lindsay Krauss um, and her husband, Evan Weinberg. And um, they are just, they every time they come to me, they come in. And we have lunch together or we have, we visit together. I'm pretty sure as soon as they get pregnant, I'll be one of the, female, <laughs> the first in the loop to know. I mean, you just, you create these bonds with people that, it's pretty special. Even the name Aurora um, is lyrical. I mean, it's, I believe Aurora was the goddess of the dawn. She is the goddess of the dawn. Yeah, so is, right. right. She, I don't think she's gone anywhere. <laughs> Hopefully so, not. <laughs> right? But even that is, um, it does speak to some bigger theme. It's not just, here's a sandwich, right. e- eat this sandwich, and have fun at your wedding. It really is this idea that it's this sensuality and the tastes and the and really incorporating all of these things into this celebration. And it's funny when I asked the girls, you know, sort of how they came up with the name, they have a story that is different from how we perceived it. So when Marika first came, we had this and it's still on our old logo. I don't know if it's still there, but it's the it's a beautiful I went and saw the painting in Florence, this water carrier. Um, from the painting of the head of John the Baptist. So, I mean, that was how we sort of rebranded of this idea of this woman bringing water and fruits. She's got this beautiful head of fruits, and she's sort of bringing this offering into the painting and into the scene. And I think that, you know, um, we, we just sort of tried to kind of hold on to that through the years. I mean, the original tagline was beautiful food for busy people. And I think we've sort of moved over 13 years, moved away from that. We still want to make beautiful food, but it's more about, you know, bringing beauty into food and sort of bringing emotion into food. And, and so that when you, when you dine, you're not just eating, you're actually having an experience. And I think when I first came to the wedding world, every, nobody really cared about the meal. It was all about, well, we have to do the first dance and we have to do the toasts and we have to do, and then we have to get to the dancing and then there's the the after party. And I'm like, well, what about the meal? Isn't that sort of what you're here for? Isn't that the celebratory dining together, breaking bread together? And so one of the first things I ask people is to like slow down and let's think about, let's think about that meal. Let's not rush through everything. And, um, and I think some, and in retrospect, some of the nicest weddings are the smaller ones that have 
the long tables of 25 people and they're just, they're so happy to just share and they're so happy to share the experience and the food becomes, you know, sort of the, the vessel for that. As you're describing it, it does strike me that there's something very sacramental about it. There's something very, you know, it's like it is the communion, it is the breaking of the bread. And um, and you're right, I've been to a number of weddings in event halls where you're served the rubber chicken and the, the hard rolls and, and you're kind of forced to sit around with people that you may or may not really know and there's sort of a discomfort. But, you know, the opposite side of that is... Um, really opening yourself up to the tastes of the food that you're eating and the smells and 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 the beautiful um, arrangements and you know and bringing and also bringing as much of the couple into the food um you know somebody's we've done I mean god we've done an Indian wedding we've done Chinese we've done you know Polish we've you know so it's kind of that's really fun too because it's not you know you know what did you grow up with what did you grow up with eating and the interview that I put brides and grooms through it's like what do you like what do you it's even almost more what do you dislike is what guides us when we're writing menus because that's so much easier to pin or you know what are your favorite restaurants or what is your family culture is there something special you know do you have to have Finn and Hattie do you have to have lobster do you have to have pierogi I mean whatever it is that your, your grandmother will really appreciate that you took the time to remember that part of your culture um or, you know, South End Italian cookie or North End Italian cookies, you know, something that's just bringing memory into it and history and, you know, connecting all the dots. I mean, you're marrying two families together. You're bringing two families together, hopefully. They're all there. And why not share a meal and get to know each other and celebrate the couple, but also celebrate the joining of families? It's also nice that you're able to offer something to people that they don't always have time to do for themselves. Um, This last Christmas, um, the significant man in my life, he and I wanted to host Christmas Eve dinner for my family. My family is very large. It's um, French and Irish Catholic. There's many of them and many small children. and, And I work and the man in my life works. We all have a lot going on. And you were able to step in and create these amazing vegetable dishes and a main course that I actually eat, which is not always the case because I don't eat meat. And it was exactly what we would have wanted to be able to do for ourselves, which is is huge. And I think that that is sort of the beauty of Aurora and the amazing team that is there. I mean, we just it we can't say no like yes is the answer what's the question and you know sort of that's one of the abiding rules and uh you know marika certainly instills that in all of us and she's the first one to you know at 62 to be in the kitchen working a nine-hour day which is pretty impressive um i'm sorry i didn't mean to give your age out loud (laughs) but it is i mean for a woman you know she's been in she was one of the first women to ever have a restaurant in maine in belfast back in the 70s and you know, I'm so inspired by her, and I think everybody that works with us is inspired. Um, our, our head chef's almost 50. I'm almost 50. You know, we're still we're bringing up the young kids, but we're we're still at it because we we love it. We don't want to we don't want to stop. We got a good thing going, and that's evident even when sitting in the Aurora Provisions um, store 
on the West End. I've had many meetings there. I've had my cup of soup. I've had my my tea and and lots of great brain power. You can see kind of percolating around the people who sit there and the people who work there. You know, they're very friendly. They're very um, connected. They really and they all have other aspirations. You know, this is a for most of the people who aren't professional cooks, you know, or chefs, you know, the stopping, this is a stopping point on, on their way. And they've just finished college or they're in graduate programs or they are jewelry maker. We have a jewelry maker. We have a couple of artists, um, an actress, a singer. So it makes, so again, that's the th- theatrical part of it. We, we tend to draw in people that have similar interests and are use food as an, as a way to express it. What was the what role did food play in your own life growing up? Huh, that's a good question. I've thought about that often. Um, two very separate cultures. Um, my father's a Ukrainian Jew, so I had a lot of cool times when I was really younger watching my grandmother make traditional Eastern European food. Um, and it's interesting because Marika's Ukrainian too, so she had we have very same. We grew up with similar dishes, just served different ways because they weren't Jewish. Um, like applesauce on lakis is not something that would ever happen in a traditional Ukraine family, but in the Jewish family, you have applesauce on your lakis. Um, and then on the other side of my family was complete wasps, like Lincoln's. My and my grandfather was the cook. He would put a roast out. I lived with them in the summers on Cape Cod, and he would cook a meal every night. You know, a solid. American meal, you know, sort of something you'd see, you know, in in Fanny Farmer or, you know, traditional cookbooks. And then I inherited his mother's recipes. Um, and it's interesting how much we go back to them, a sort of interesting, fun, like lockover and traditional American recipes. So it's a real mix mash. And then I don't know that my mother actually cooked a lot when, as we were getting old, she worked. And then I, in the summers, worked in the restaurant business on Cape Cod because that's what you did when you were in school and college and found myself in kitchens and found myself in front of the house and back of the house and ended up just sort of learning and then opened a opened a bar restaurant and well that wasn't a bar really in college with friends um I was a we were the drinking age went from 20 19 to 20 20 to 21 while we were in college in New York and there was a real need to look at uh, drinking in dorms and it was a real problem and at one point someone fell out of a dorm window so I was a peer counselor and um, a, another friend of mine who was very active in that said well what if we proposed a non-drinking fun dance club like a non-alcoholic club which is still going on today at Vassar which is pretty cool um, and the administration gave us money and an advisor and uh, the Culinary Institute is right up the road so th- we had an advisor from from um, from them as well, and we created this really cool, open at nine o'clock place to come and have mocktails and burgers and fries and dance yourself silly um, as a way to sort of combat the the underage drinking that was going on. So that was kind of cool. So that was my first running of a restaurant. <laughs> it kind of stuck, I guess. What's your main connection? Um, my great great grandparents were from Rockland. Um, they're buried up at the Samoset. Um, and then my mom summered here in Owlshead when she was younger. And then she, 25 years ago, decided to move to Camden and work on one of the schooners, for one of the schooners who are dear friends of ours. And my sister followed and opened a business in Rockland. And then this came about and I kind of fell in love with Portland. Well, I, Marika and 
took me to, to Hugo's when it had just sort of changed hands. And the person who I'm speaking of knows who they are. Um, we had, I had this, this fabulous meal and this amazing, han- amazingly handsome server. And I'm like, oh, this is nice. And looked at condos and looked at what was available. And I'm like, oh, I think I could live here. <laughs> He's very happily married to one of my dear friends with children. But at the time, I was like, hmm. This is what it's like. Really good food and handsome men and affordable housing. I will move to Portland. <laughs> and also the business. I was really inspired by what I saw going on at Aurora and what we could build. Um, they didn't have really a catering department. They did a couple things a year. You know, we did 22 weddings last year, plus the museum, because we have the cafe at the museum, as you know, um, and all the museum events and another little business out of Pratt's Neck and how many people that get employed and I mean it's amazing it just this put an addition on this this past summer we didn't mean to do it in the summer but that's okay <laughs> and you know just I'm really grateful I think everybody that's there is really grateful to have good work year-round um, and that the community still supports us so so much <laughs> Here on the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast, we've long recognized the link between health and wealth. Here to speak more on the topic is Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial. Money, it's something we all love and hate. On the one hand, when we feel like there's an abundance of it flowing through our lives, the world seems like a pretty great place. And there are days when we're not big fans of our finances. It happens to all of us. When you feel pressured by what's happening around you because of limited financial resources, it can seem pretty dark. When that feeling begins to take hold, stop for a moment, take a deep breath, and consider this. Money is not an inanimate object. It is a living and breathing thing. And you have a relationship with it. And as it goes with all relationships, your feelings ebb and flow based on where you are at any particular moment. It's not always rosy, nor is it always dark. It's all about acceptance and understanding. So you can fall in love with your money. If you're wondering what's love got to do with it, I'll leave you with this. To acquire money requires us to build and create value for our friends. The Greek for that love is philia. To acquire money requires sacrifice, agape. It requires us to reach out and help our extended family. The Greek for that is storge. To acquire money requires that we do things with passion, thelema. To acquire money requires us to create things that are beautiful and to build things where the beauty can be appreciated, eros. Making money, creating value, requires us to pace together a love that is big and inclusive. To use your money to evolve to this place of understanding, give us a call, 847-4032. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advice offered through Flagship Harbor Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Flagship Harbor Advisors and Shepherd Financial are separate entities from LPL Financial. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is brought to you by Dream Kitchen Studio by Matthew Brothers. Whether your style is contemporary, traditional, or eclectic, their team of talented designers are available to assist you in designing the kitchen or bath of your dreams. For more information, visit www. 
dreamkitchenstudio.com. There was a time when the apothecary was a place where you could get safe, reliable medicines, carefully prepared by experienced professionals, coupled with care and attention, focused on you and your unique health concerns. Apothecary by Design is built around the forgotten notion that you don't just need your prescriptions filled, you need attention, advice, and individual care. Visit their website, apothecarybydesign.com, or drop by the store at 84 Marginal Way in Portland and experience pharmacy care the way it was meant to be. You do have a very strong um, connection to the arts community. As you mentioned, Aurora has the cafe at the Portland Museum of Art, and you yourself have done a lot of work with the Contemporaries Group at the Portland Museum of Art, and I think now the Director's Circle, I think you're moving into that yeah. that group. Aging out. <laughs> well, I was, I was, moving on up, right? <laughs> right. And these are both groups that are supportive of the museum, but also are very social. Um, and the connections there are important as well. The events that the contemporaries put on, one of which is coming up this week, the first week in February, they always sell out. People always enjoy the food, the dancing, the music, the connection. And I think it, this goes back to um, the same thing you're talking about. The joy of a wedding mm-hmm. is the same as the joy of a contemporaries event. That's being with other people and having the chance to um celebrate celebrate love as we talked about yeah and 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 celebrate our community i mean i think i think when people come to me so the connection that i see is people come to me to get married there's it's very specific um there's they want that connection to maine and i mean i can't tell you how many millions of brooklyn couples we've married in maine that all say someday we're going to move here and a lot of them have um there's this real romance around a maine wedding as testified by every magazine, including our wonderful main magazine, um, that you can't, whether it's on a farm or whether it's at the ocean, you know, there's something magical. And and I think in general, that's something magical about Maine. We have the shortest growing season of probably any state in the union. Um, and we worship it. As a, as, as a result, we worship what we have. Um, I always laugh when my couples want to have tastings in January. I'm like, well, I don't know what you want to taste, but it's not going to taste anything like your menu in August. Um, and as you know, I work with a lot of local farms, and I'm on the board of Cultivating Community, so food issues are very, very, very close to my heart. Um, so for us, it's having the beauty of this product, whether it's from our oceans or from our from our fields, um, and then using that as sort of a help to the bride and groom to show off where they've decided to get married. So this is really about place. It's about place and it's about it's about Maine, which we are very lucky to live in. Leslie, another um, group that you have found very important to support is the Slow Food Maine group. You were on the steering committee mm-hmm. for that organization. So it's not just about the food being from Maine. It's how the food is prepared and how we approach it and how we incorporate it into our lives. Absolutely. And, you know, I think, um, you know, I wish Mariko was here in some respects so she could tell the story. But when she moved here in the 70s, she said she would have killed her, her best friend for a head of lettuce. That, you know, it was before we started. She said it was just horrible. You couldn't get fresh produce. And that this generation now, we're so used to it. We're so like we're so lucky to have the farmers markets that we have and the indoor farmers market all winter and that we have to actually remember that 
you know, 35 years ago, that actually wasn't here in Maine. And that we had, you know, now we have a lot of barren potato fields and a lot of places that are still in need um, of some help. And luckily, I can't believe I'm saying this, our governor did something good. <laughs> he actually signed the GMO labeling bill, which we were hoping that um, will pass. I think four more states have to pass it to make it happen. Um, and that's going to be huge, especially counteracting what's happened in Congress yesterday. And the Supreme Court, rather, um, with the farmers not being able to sue Monsanto for um, for compromised crops. It's just, it's it's crazy. And I, I'm not on the policy end of it, which is good because it makes my head spin. So we really try and make an effort to support our local producers. They, they're not all organic, but they're all local. Um, because sometimes that's entirely more important um, because they know what's they know what's in their fields. They know what they're bringing you. Um, and for the most part, they're they are organic without paying a gazillion dollars for the certification. Not a gazillion dollars, but paying for the certification. Um, and you also then then you create connections with your farmers that then you then take back to your menu. So oftentimes, well, any restaurant in Portland you'll actually see, you know where it's sourced from, but it even has now come into recipes. Like we have uh, Floppy White, who the White family is very, very, you know, Hildreth White. Floppy has this wonderful tomato recipe that we made for her 10 years ago. It is now on every summer menu. And people are like, who's Floppy? And then you tell this wonderful story about the coast of Maine and this this woman who created this, probably it was her grandmother's recipe. So for me, it's the storytelling too, you know, about the food, where it comes from, it, the love that it was grown or harvested with, I mean, our fishing industry, I mean, unbelievable people um, of what they're doing and how they're helping to maintain our, you know, our culture of, of fish and aquaculture in Maine. Um, you know, you have, I've been following uh, Abigail Carroll on Facebook, um, Nonsuch Oysters, and they were really worried with the freeze that they were going to lose all their babies, their babies which are who are two years old. It takes a significant time to grow an oyster. And she posted the other day after the thought, she's like, oh, they're all fine. They're fine. They're on the bottom. They're good. The babies are good. And you're like, you're actually invested in a baby oyster because you know that that is going to be your product in three or four years. Um, and that you get to tell that story. So I don't know. It's about storytelling. It's about storytelling and good food and love and love of what you do and not resting on your laurels. You know, like waking up every day and saying, it's going to be a good day. We're going to make something good. We're going to, and you're not going to get every job. You're not going to, we're not going to be for everyone. I mean, I have, I've had a number of, I always say I'm in, as much as you're interviewing me for your wedding, I'm interviewing you to do your wedding because the bond that's created is like, you have my cell phone number pretty early on. You can call me at two o'clock in the morning if you're freaking out. Um, but so I have to have that trust in you the same way you have to have that trust in me that we're going to make this work. And I had an assistant for the first time this year. She's fabulous. Um, I think you met her, Ashley. She's gorgeous and smart and young and knows more at her age than I could have ever imagined to know it at, at, at back then. But um, just watching her, watching me train her and then watching her deal with people, I'm like, like, wow, we can actually teach people how to do this. 
And that's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping that we'll have a whole new generation of just kind of, I don't know. You have to have a little psychiatry in there. You got to have a little, you have to have a lot of patience. And you have to be really understanding of the other, of this couple and who they are. And these people, and for, for whatever reason, even if it's a, you know, especially if it's a funeral, you know, how many people you, you take that, you walk their hand through that. You become, you become like another clergy person because you're inevitably providing the comfort. And I think that that's, at the end of the day, I want people, me personally, I want people to be fed and nourished and feel really good about what they've eaten. And you end up being part of their story. Oftentimes. There's some funny, funny stories when that book comes out. Kate and I are, we're we're starting it. We're, uh, we we think, you know, at first we thought it would be really fun to just do just sort of parody, like the craziest thing that ever happened at weddings. Um... But I don't know, something, there's something in the works someday. Well, I look forward to reading it. I'm sure everybody who's <laughs> listening is going to look forward to reading it as oh, well. It's, so. it's a long way off, but yeah, well, it'll, it'll happen. It'll happen. Leslie, how do people find out about Aurora Provisions? Um, wow. Well, Maine Magazine is a really good place to start. <laughs> we, we, um, I have to say it's probably been one of our most successful ad campaigns. We always do really funny ads. Um, but we're on the web. Uh, we're working on a new website, actually, currently, which will be much easier for people to use. Um, and then we're on the West End at Pine Street, 64 Pine Street, and we have the cafe at the Museum of Art, Portland Museum of Art. And, you know, we're pretty accessible. So you just come on in and say hi and have like the best cappuccino in town, pretty much. Sorry, bragging a little bit, but, <laughs> and one of Bob Scones. Um, yeah, and just, we're, come and experience us. We're, it's very different, it, it's nice because we're many different businesses under one roof. I can attest to that, and I can attest that you are many different people in one body, <laughs> and a joy to know, and I'm so grateful that you were able to take the time out of your very busy schedule and come talk to us today about celebrating love. We've been speaking with Leslie Oster, who is the general manager of Aurora Provisions, and a friend of mine, and so many more things to so many different people. Thank you for coming in today. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. As a physician and small business owner, I rely on... Marcy Booth from Booth, Maine, to help me with my own business and to help me live my own life fully. Here are a few thoughts from Marcy. As you settle into this new year, I hope you take a moment to consider the health of your business and how you can make certain it continues to thrive. Now is the perfect time for a business checkup. It's a perfect time to reflect on the systems and processes you had in place last year to determine what worked and what didn't run as smoothly as it should have. Write down the specific changes you'd like to implement to tighten things up over the next month, three months, six months, or a year. Give yourself realistic tasks and goals. This introspection and planning will go a long way toward making certain that 2014 is a year of great success. I'm Marcy Booth. Let's talk about the changes you need. BoothMaine.com This segment of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour is brought to you by the following generous sponsors. Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage in Yarmouth, Maine. Honesty and integrity can take you home. With Remax Heritage, it's your move. Learn more at rheritage.com. Using recycled sails collected from sailors and sailing communities around the world, sea bags designs and manufactures bags, 
totes and accessories in Maine on Portland's working waterfront. From the best-selling classic Navy Anchor Tote to fresh new designs, Seabags offers retired sails another life by turning them into handmade, one-of-a-kind, nautical-inspired pieces. Please visit the Seabags store in Portland or Freeport or go to www.seabags.com to browse their unique collection. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is brought to you by Bangor Savings Bank. For over 150 years, Bangor Savings has believed in the innate ability of the people of Maine to achieve their goals and dreams. Whether it's personal finance, business banking, or wealth management assistance you're looking for, at Bangor Savings Bank, you matter more. For more information, visit www.bangor.com. You've got to like a person who owns a business called Beautiful Days. And I think that the people who um, hire this person, Kate Martin, who is the owner and creative director at Beautiful Days, really find that their days, specifically their wedding days, are made more beautiful by having her around. So thanks for coming in and making our day beautiful, Kate. Thanks. Happy to be here. When we were talking about doing our show about um, weddings, which is sort of in homage to the wedding issue the Maine Magazine does every year, they said, you know, you really have to have Kate Martin in. She has got to be one of the best in the state. We have her represented in the magazine all the time. And plus, she just has this amazing energy. Um, I suspect that you use that amazing energy to try to um, create really wonderful experiences for your brides. You need to always kind of be excited about what you're doing and embracing everyone's most special day and um, I'm the first one to admit that sometimes you don't have that energy so you can't be creative all the time Um, but my clients inspire me um, their stories inspire me our setting inspires me so that really is what keeps me going it's not necessarily about um, the wedding itself it's about the people and where they're getting married. I love Maine. I love the spaces and places and people who work in Maine um, and how creative we can get and hopefully show that Maine weddings are fun and elegant and classy and flirty and everything all at once um, without being too contrived or too trendy. But you're not originally from Maine. No, I grew up on Nantucket. My parents... um, Moved from New York City in 1971 when I was just about three. Moved us to the beach, which is great. So I, one of the reasons why I love working in Maine, especially coastal Maine, is just my love of the ocean and the seaside and also just the architecture and the feeling of New England. And, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a lover of um, all things New England and classical architecture, but also modern architecture as well. And I love being able to see kind of, especially in Portland, Maine, kind of the fusing of growing cities and traditional architecture. And um, so, yeah, growing up on the beach, I am continue to be thankful every day for that life I was given um, and my appreciation for being by the ocean and living in New England and a good, you know, healthy life. Why did your parents originally decide to move from New York City to Nantucket? Did they share that with you? I think that they went there shortly after they were married or just before they were married, just for a weekend, and they fell in love. They were both working in New York City. Um, They both grew up 
around New York City and, you know, with it in their lives. But I think that they were just drawn to this funky little island, which at the time was just a bunch of kind of, you know, fishermen and funky folks. And um, and they, I think they just fell in love. And I think that they thought that it would be a great place to raise a family. And they were right. And is that similar to the reason why you ended up then kind of hopping from Nantucket to, I know you went el- elsewhere, but then came up to Maine? Yeah. When my husband and I um, decided to kind of stick together, we moved out to California for a while, which was fantastic. We were in Marin County, live, you know, working in San Francisco and just having a fantastic time. But as soon as we got out there, um, we knew that we would end up back east at some point. Um, California, as fantastic as it was and as many opportunities as it had for us, it just didn't feel like home. And as soon as we got to California, my dad would say, well, Kate, when you move back to New England, and my sister would say, when you come back, you should come check out Portsmouth, New Hampshire. So in our transition back, um, we started trying to sort out where we would land, knowing then that we were would like to buy a home and start our family. Um, my husband has a connection with um, Bethel, Maine, and we just found the right place. We and I, we love being in Maine. Um, my husband goes back; his family goes back generations into Maine, and um, I think that um, we had considered Nantucket, but we felt that that might be limiting for us. Um, and I continue to be thankful about the choice that we made. Um, especially now it's been about 12 years and we feel, really feel like we're part of our community and contributing both in our with our own businesses um, to you know um, offering people certain levels of service and we're really happy with what we do I mean we're both self-employed so it has its challenges uh, to say the least but we love it Kate you shared with me a story about your family that um seemed sort of a, a foundational reason for having gone into the to the wedding business. You said you went through some very difficult times um, with your parents who died when you were relatively young. Mm-hmm. And after that, it seemed like every day was a beautiful day. You had been through this really hard, hard time with your siblings and, and you knew that life was pretty precious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um- in my early 30s, unfortunately, um, our family found ourselves challenged by the sudden um, illness of my mom, and then shortly afterwards, um, my father as well. And um, I, I truly believe that one of the reasons why I'm here, just in general in the larger picture of here, was to kind of be there for my parents when they were going through these challenges and be there for my family. And then coming out of that, um, I learned so many positive lessons, and I attribute that to um, my parents and how they kind of um, ha- related to us and our family about what was going on and how to move forward with it. Um, fortunately, my family, you know, we all love each other. You know, there's not, I've, I'm the oldest of four, and me and my siblings get along great. You know, I, I can't imagine my life without them. Um, so, I chose to look at these challenges some, as something as empowering instead of defeating and something that, for me, if I could um, go through what I went through with a certain level of grace, if there's such a thing, I don't, 
um, at least for me personally, and thoughtfulness and full of love that um, I could do just about anything, um, which I think helps keep things in perspective when I work in the wedding world. Um, as fabulous as everybody's wedding day should be, and it is a beautiful day, no matter if it's an intimate party for 20, under a little tent out in a field, or a big grand affair for 200, it's only one beautiful day out of many that that couple and that family are going to have as they grow up and grow old together and have children. And I mean, the birth of my son was one of the most beautiful days I've ever had. And um, I love keeping up with my clients and seeing that they're having babies. And I write them a little note and say, see, here's another beautiful day for you, you know? Um, and those beautiful days don't have to necessarily be big life events. They can just be those little captured moments of making the decision to not work at all and take a day off with your family and go skiing or sit in the house on a snow day and do puzzles instead of bills. I guess that's how I try and approach just my larger perspective and kind of what empowers me in what I do. What are some of the things that people come to you um, concerned about with regard to weddings? It seems as though everybody always says, well, you know, the wedding is the most important day of your life, which seems very singular. But it's really not just about the couple as much as we would like to believe that it is. It's really about the couple and the family and the community and the friends. So what are some of the things that you help people through? Most of my clients are from away. So they are planning a wedding from New York, Boston, California, and everywhere in between. I think one of their challenges is trying to wrap their head around putting on a fabulous celebration when they, when they can't be here on the ground, making sure everything's under control. Um, or the mother of the bride can't be here. Or you know, if they are, maybe they're here part time. Um, I think for a lot of couples, that's challenging. And that's one of the reasons why I think they pick up the phone and track down someone like me to help them wrap their head around how can they produce and execute um, you know, a, a fabulous celebration. Um, I think another challenge is, um, especially for modern brides and grooms, and, and mostly brides, is that they're so bombarded with images of gorgeous weddings happening all over the world that it gets a little overwhelming, and I think they start to think that they feel the pressure to kind of have it all. Um, which one of the first things I say is, you don't have to have it all. Let's focus on what's most important to you, which is why I really like to get to know my clients first. I send them a little questionnaire and asks about, I ask about each, um, the bride and groom as individuals, the bride and groom as a couple, what they love to do, their perfect date night, their engagement story. And that just helps me kind of get a sense of really what's important to them and I'll loop back with those little snippets and remind them down the line when they're maybe fretting over a certain detail or if they should do a menu versus a thank you card or something. And I'll loop back and I'll say, well, remember back when we first started working together, you really wanted to share pieces of you and to make sure that you let your guests know how thankful you were that they showed up. And, you know, we just try and loop back and remember what's really important. 
Um, I'm all about the details. I'm all about getting the right color. I'm all about, if you want a little napkin wrap, we'll make it work, whatever you want it to be. But if it's not important to you, we don't have to do it. Um, so it's just trying to kind of find that balance of what you truly want, what you truly want to reflect out of your day, how you truly want to bring together all your nearest and dearest and what you want to share with them. Um, and also finding that balance in their what they're spending too. You know, it's um, not just about what you want, but what uh, you're budgeting for too. Um, I think some couples will quickly kind of say, oh, our ceremony will be about 20 minutes and it'll be quick and, you know, we're, it'll be great. And I'll loop back and I'll remind them, don't forget, that's why you're here. That's, the, that's why you're having everyone get together for you is for that 20 minutes, for that 30 minutes. Regardless of how short it is, your ceremony really does need to be thoughtful, whether you're being married by a friend who got ordained online or if it's in your family's church or whatever it is, um, make sure that you do invest um, thoughtfulness and, and care into it. Because um, you can have a party any day, but you only get married in one day. What do you do with families that are a little bit more complicated? Say, um, say the bride has a set of parents who are divorced, or say there's some family enmity, mm-hmm. just somebody doesn't want to sit next to somebody, and it threatens to kind of overshadow all of the joy and happiness of the day. Mm-hmm. That definitely happens. It breaks my heart because it is amazing how sometimes little family emotions get stirred up and some sometimes people get a little selfish and you just want to say it's about your bride and groom. You have to put aside those differences that maybe you had from 20 years ago. Or um, I'm 100% honest with my clients when I say you can use me as um, a buffer because the bride especially, they're making decisions along with family members that not only are decisions about their day, but have emotional weight to them. And sometimes when a mom or an aunt, everyone who has every good intention behind it gives an opinion and you may not agree with it, it may be hard to say no because there's that emotional connection to it. And I have um, always told my clients, you can use me as this, you know, the quote unquote professional well, the person we're working with says this isn't really as important or we'll work it out because um, that comes from a, a, a non-emotional connection, um, even though I'm emotionally invested in all my clients. Um, and you do sometimes act as a sounding board because there are issues that come up. There are seating issues. You wouldn't believe the family emotional politics that come up when you start assigning personal flowers, boutonnieres, corsages, if stepmothers are in the mix or someone's dad's, you know, girlfriend for 20 years, do you give her a boutonniere, you know, or a corsage? And so it is interesting. Um, we do our best to navigate it. There's, you know, this stuff comes up. Um, and ideally, I just, you know, kind of hold my client's hand and say, we'll get through it. And whatever you want, I will stand up for you. And I will say, this is what, you know, my bride wants and let's work together to make it happen. 
The goal of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour is to help make connections between the health of the individual and the health of the community. The goal of Ted Carter Inspired Landscapes is to deepen our appreciation for the natural world. Here to speak with us today is Ted Carter. I think that one of the things that I have noticed time and time again with spaces and places that I've created over the years, especially my meditation room in particular, that was a space created. I just drew a box out in front of my house one day with a spray can and I told them to get the backhoe and dig a foundation and let's get this meditation room built. And uh, that was in 2005. Since then, I've had amazing experiences in that room and those that journeys within that room have been astounding. And whenever I go back in that space that, that is so powerful and so wonderful, I think spirit definitely welcomes me. I, I feel it surrounding me. So it's important to realize that we too can create these amazing spaces that welcome us. In a book entitled Plant Spirit Medicine by Elliot Cowan. I'm going to read you one little passage. It says, I think it is quite ethical to use the abandoned power places of tribal people. In fact, the spirits of such places are often lonely for human attention, since they achieve their own greatness by conferring greatness upon their devotees. Remember this, and remember the power places in your landscape. I'm Ted Carter. And if you'd like to contact me, I can be reached at tedcarterdesign.com. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast understands the importance of the health of the body, mind, and spirit. Here to talk about the health of the body is Jim Graderick's of Premier Sports Health, a division of Black Bear Medical. Love has many definitions, but loving someone means being concerned about their health and well-being. We all love our parents. But as they age, things become more difficult for them. Memory loss, poor balance, and other physical ailments can plague not only your parents, but your entire family. Put you and your entire family at ease by visiting us at Black Bear Medical. Whether it's a personal emergency response system for peace of mind and safety, or a lift chair recliner and bathroom safety equipment for ease of living, we have everything to help provide solutions to aging parents who want to keep their independence and their families who love them. Visit blackbearmedical.com or stop by our retail locations in Portland and Bangor and let us be your guide. Experience chef and owner Harding Lee Smith's newest hit restaurant, Boone's Fish House and Oyster Room, Maine Seafood at its finest. Joining sister restaurants The Front Room, The Grill Room, and The Corner Room, this newly renovated two-story restaurant at 86 Commercial Street on Custom House Wharf overlooks scenic Portland Harbor. Watch lobstermen bring in the daily catch as you enjoy baked stuffed lobster, raw bar, and wood-fired flatbreads. For more information, visit www.theroomsportland.com. One of the more recent weddings that I went to was um, for one of the art directors at Brandco, which works with Maine Magazine and the Maine Media um, Collective here. And we were standing in a field near, I believe it was in a canoe that was standing upright. And then we went under a tent and listened to a band, but it was at a camp in the summer in Maine. And, it, and I'm seeing more and more this kind of desire to go back to simpler 
settings, simpler times, reminiscent mm-hmm. of maybe growing up. Mm-hmm. Is this something that you're seeing and why? For a lot of brides and grooms, the appeal of Maine comes from summers spent at grandma's house on the coast. Um, summers spent at camp. I've done a couple of camp weddings um, where, and actually they've been boys camps weddings where the groom went to the camp and had such a great connection. He may be from New York City, but he spent his summers in Maine and had such a great connection to that and that feeling of, um, you know, kind of carelessness or, you know, kind of freedom of the summer and wanting to kind of share that um, with his bride and with their families. Um, I think that there's a current trend towards wanting farm barn everyone always loves being by the seaside um but yeah having something that feels more grounded maybe or easy but that doesn't mean it can't be elegant so maine does offer so many fantastic venues to create something that is easy yet elegant um, rustic yet somewhat refined. Um, it doesn't have to be all burlap and mason jars, which are great, you know. Um, I think that trend is, you know, moving along. But um, I, I think that people are drawn to Maine for its classic architecture, for its um, feeling of kind of carefree summers at camps along the ocean. Um, And some people are drawn to Maine because they're starting maybe a new family tradition. Maybe they live in Boston or New York and they've started traveling up to Maine in the summer times. And they say, this is some place we want to continue to come to when we want to bring our kids here and let's get married. You know, let's, let's start it now. It's February and obviously February is, um, the month that we associate with Valentine's Day and with love. And that's one of the words that we haven't really bandied about too much in this conversation. But um, how do you help the people that you are working with? How do you help them keep the love alive while they're planning their wedding? I know it seems like an interesting and ironic sort of thing that there might be so much stress that it could actually impact a relationship negatively. But Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering, I mean, we know that Planning an event can be stressful. Yep. I'm pretty realistic with my clients when they say, I just don't have the time for this right now, or is this really important? Or, you know, I'm working 80 hours a week and he's in business school and we're living in two different cities right now. And I'll always say, don't worry, we've got it. We're here for you. If something comes up, give us a call. You know, if you're just not sure about what, invite to choose and you're having a hard time and you're not getting the feedback you want just send it to us we'll give you our honest opinion we'll we'll do our best to keep you grounded about what's important and this kind of goes back to us getting to know our clients early on and reminding them about what's important so if if there's kind of concern over you want this fabulous dessert you know table you may opt for dj so you have a little bit of your budget left over um And then I'll kind of remind them to say, step back, take a deep breath. We'll figure this out. Tell me what I can do for you. So 
and I tell them that I know that they're busy. And one of the first things I, I say to prospective clients is that I'm just continue to be amazed at how um, accomplished and driven and smart so many of my clients are. And I recognize that they're super busy. Um, so I, I try and keep it real, um, try and keep things in perspective and just kind of try and move it along and remind them about really what's most important um, and probably fussing over how to word a menu isn't worth fussing over. Let's work it out, let's figure it out right now and move forward. Because there's gonna be other decisions to be made down the line <laughs> that you may end up fussing over, so. Kate, how do people find out about your business, Beautiful Days? Um, word of mouth. I find is a great, I, the fabulous vendors that I've had the privilege to work along, alongside of now um, going into our 10th year, which I just can't believe, it kind of blows me away. Um, word of mouth, I get really fabulous referrals from some great vendors. Um, social media, I think, is becoming a really big piece of it. A little bit of advertising here and there. I always get great responses from being in Maine Magazine, I will be honest. <laughs> um, and at this point, word of mouth. It's been an interesting um, evolution of kind of trying to sort this out because when we started, it was basically having a website and putting ads in select magazines or papers. Everything has evolved so quickly between Facebook and social media and Twitter and blogs just in the years I've been doing this that as a self-employed um, business owner, the amount of work you have to put into this additional level of marketing is pretty intense, but we make it work. I mean, you, you got to grow at the time. So, and also um, Google, you know, they search for me, hopefully Beautiful Days pops up. And, and your website is? BeautifulDaysEvents.com. We've been speaking with Kate Martin, who is the owner and creative director of Beautiful Days. We thank you for coming in and speaking with us today about creating the beautiful days that you do. Thanks. It's been fun. You've been listening to the Dr. Lisa Radio RM podcast, show number 125, Celebrating Love. Our guests have included Leslie Oster and Kate Martin. For more information on our guests and extended interviews, visit doctorlisa.org. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is downloadable for free on iTunes. For a preview of each week's show, sign up for our e-newsletter and like our Dr. Lisa Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter and Pinterest and read my take on health and well-being on the Bountiful blog. We love to hear from you, so please let us know what you think of the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour. We welcome your suggestions for future shows. Also, let our sponsors know that you have heard about them here. We are privileged that they enable us to bring the Dr. Lisa Radio Hour to you each week. This is Dr. Lisa Belial. We hope that you have enjoyed our Celebrating Love show. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your day. May you have a bountiful life. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour and Podcast is made possible with the support of the following generous sponsors. Maine Magazine, Marcy Booth of Booth, Maine, Apothecary by Design, Premier Sports Health, a division of Black Bear Medical, Sea Bags, Mike LePage and Beth Franklin of Remax Heritage, Ted Carter Inspired Landscapes, Tom Shepard of Shepard Financial, Dream Kitchen Studios, Harding Lee Smith of The Rooms, and Bangor Savings Bank. The Dr. Lisa Radio Hour is recorded in the studio of Maine Magazine at 75 Market Street, Portland, Maine. 
Our executive producers are Kevin Thomas and Dr. Lisa Belial. Audio production and original music by John C. McCain. Our assistant producer is Leanne Wiemet. Our online producer is Katie Kelleher. Become a subscriber of Dr. Lisa Belial on iTunes. See the Dr. Lisa website or Facebook page for details. Summaries of all our past shows can be found at doctorlisa.org. Thank you.